podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sponsored by 1010 Podcasts. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. Welcome to episode 37 of the Celtic Exchange Weekly. This is Tino and today I'm joined by James and Paddy. Celtic lost out on Derby Day this weekend with their set-piece fragility coming back to haunt us on a disappointing day at Ibrox. However, nothing's won or lost in August and Andrew will be hoping to get some last-minute recruits over the line ahead of the transfer deadline as he continues to mould his new look Celtic. James, what do you make of where we are at this moment in time? I think where we are is, is the key point. You know, we're, we're on a, a journey, to use that phrase, from Lennon Celtic to Angie Celtic. Personnel be a key part of that, but also becoming more used to the system, believing in yourselves a wee bit. I thought they lacked a wee bit of belief. Um, I thought they could have been braver. I'll be much happier Wednesday morning when I know who's there and who's not, and then we can work out what's what's the, the plan going forward. Yeah. Paddy, what about yourself? Are you pleased overall with how Angie's team is progressing? Obviously, when, when Angie's came in the end of June there, it's going to be a test in month August, and two wins out of it, we've lost the other two. I'm sitting okay with things at the moment. Uh, I think the international break is coming at a good time. Uh, we can kind of sit, take stock of where we are. And just like uh, James has said there, you know, we'll see where we are Wednesday morning. And I just think that pushes us on. That gets us ready for the run of games after the international break. Is it one of those report cards, Paddy? Celtic have potential but must do better? Absolutely. Something along those lines. Okay, so top of the shop, we'll cover the game against Rangers. So, as mentioned there, disappointing result. And really, just the feeling certainly I had overall was we just never get going at any stage in the game. We obviously know how well this Celtic side can attack, but it just didn't really seem to happen for them at any point, really. You know, we didn't have any real incisive moments, save for, for Eddie's big chance, which was a decent move. But that aside, there was nothing. Ansh has since come out after the game and accepted that he should probably have played Kyogo through the middle. And to be honest with you, I think that was our downfall. He's honest, he's refreshing there. Neil Lennon would be throwing guys under the bus to coin the phrase. And it's refreshing that he's come out and, you know, put the pause up. But how much did that call cost us yesterday? Huge. You, you saw what happened when the when the change was made. It changed the game. There was, you know, chance he didn't go for Kyogo and he should have squared to Christie's we were talking about yesterday and all that stuff. And the one that he should have shot where he, he squared. But those were two great chances created by his movement and maybe a bit by Rogic being there to, to spot that movement. I think if you've played that for 90 minutes, you're going to be creating a lot more chances and just by the result of that, you'll get your goals. Yeah, I mean, their young keeper, their third choice keeper, was barely tested. He barely had a save to make yesterday. You just, yeah, as James suggested there, you just wonder how many additional chances we could have created and really tested him early on had we had someone of Kyogo's pace through the middle. It's funny because we've seen him wide left you know, in spells at times. When he came on, his debut against Hearts, he came on wide left and looked all at sea. And I don't think he looked comfy there at all. I know he said he can play anywhere across the front. I just think he looks very uncomfortable and he's absolutely a centre for me. Well, yeah, absolutely. I would say he's definitely a player that we've just, like we've, we've mentioned many a time, he plays off the shoulder. He's got that pace just to get in behind. And, you know, that was two slow centre halves, in my opinion. The, the positional sense can be really, really good at points. But as we've seen in the last 22 minutes when he was put out wide there, sorry, put into the centre there, he got the better of them. He got in behind them. He also did get in behind them, um, leading up to the Edward chance, which I'm sure will cover in a wee bit there. I wouldn't want to put all the emphasis on the problem being Kyogo at left, though. I've kind of got to look at, you know, how how do you bring the rest of the front line into the game? I thought Abada was posted non-existent for the first half, and that's down to good marking from them. Tumble and Christie have got a lot to answer for in my, my eyes. Um, the link-up play between the midfield and, you know, our front line 
for me was very poor. Every ball Edward seemed to be giving yesterday, none was at his feet. Watching it back today, actually, it's made me realise this, and one of my friends mentioned it yesterday, he had to try and win the ball in the air quite a few times, which is fine. You know, he should be up for doing that, but he's a player that likes to take the ball at feet, and probably a reason why we think he would have been more suited in the left as well uh, for yesterday. But I thought Tumble and Rogic, I'd said... In the, the match preview, it would have been a game where they need to be on top and try and run over the midfield. I actually think they looked very scared with the likes of the, the, the Rangers midfield around them and, you know, panicked. You know, there's a focus on the defence because ultimately, you know, we, we lost 1-0, so the defence or the defensive setup, at least for that corner, wasn't as it should have been. But actually, for me, I agree with you, Paddy. I think it's the front six who really underperformed yesterday. And I, I'm struggling to think of anyone that gets a pass mark. So McGregor, I, I, I gave him some defence yesterday because I think he was flanked by a very poor Turnbull and Christie on the day. But McGregor himself wasn't great either. Abada, Eddie, Hugo, all had poor games. That's six guys. And so you can say what you want about the defence and, you know, there's all ongoing chat about Starfelt, but these guys have let us down yesterday. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. One of the things I would like to, to say on that, though, the chances that they, they were creating, our, our defence nullified quite a lot yesterday. A lot of shots getting ricocheted back. One of the biggest issues I had, and, you know, there's pressure on McGregor from some of his play yesterday, but it was a lack of support around him. So a lot of the setting balls that were coming back from their defence was actually landing just outside the 18-yard box, 20 yards out, 25 yards out. And Rangers were coming up with ease allowing the ball to bounce at times and being able to take possession of it. That's where your tumbles, your Christie's, they should be back and helping th helping things out there. I don't think there was a lot of support and I wonder if that's possibly been a tactic. You know, we go heavy on the counter-attack before players sit and waiting, or five players even. It just didn't work and we were getting found out a lot in that, that way in the middle. I think so, and just as a basic, um, we were just slow to react to the second ball, and that, that's just a given in football that you should be switched on all times. It's not just about the cross coming in, it's if that cross spills, can you get on the end of it, either in an attacking sense or defensively. And I think the midfield guys potentially didn't work hard enough, and that's not something you can accuse these guys of so far under range, but it just didn't seem to click whether it was the occasion, you know, the 50,000 fans. These guys are pros. I know it's a wee bit new for some of them, but they should be... I I'll give a bad a pass at 19, new country, whatever. The rest of the guys are, you know, around here and they've, they've experienced big games and they should have been more capable. That's the, the biggest disappointment, really. It's, you know, non-football stuff. You know, the mentality, the alertness, the drive, the dig. As you see, those second balls, Rangers were getting, getting favourites to that every time. And when McGregor, McGregor is picking a ball up, coming out of defence, he's looking up and he's not got a lot of options there and it's going... Long to a bad and stuff like that, which is just that's a nonsense. I mentioned it in recent shows, but you're shelling balls out in the air at times to five foot seven a badder. And Kyogo must be a similar height. At times to be, not to be fair, him Kyogo just didn't even jump. He was basically saying, I'm not gonna waste my time here. Speaking of not jumping, uh, let's look at the goal. We touched a wee bit on it before we came on air here about set pieces and how they've cost Celtic, you know, daily at times last year. It became a real, you know, thorn on the side. And we haven't seen it so far from this Ange side. But one thing just, you know, out with dealing with the set pieces, we need to stop giving away needless fouls as well. There's one particular, I remember Christie bringing down Kent. Unnecessarily, Kent's gone away from goal, we bring him down. And they, they had a handful of free kicks in very dangerous areas. But ultimately, it was this corner that... that you know, caused his most harm. What was your take on it, Paddy, defensively? Yeah, well, you actually, you guys mentioned it um, last night on the final whistle. I think it was quite uh, evident that was their game plan, you know, and, and if that's all they've got, that's fine. They're good at it, though. This is the thing, they're good at it. 
I thought we'd nullified the majority of the stuff that was on the deck, them trying to get in behind us. I thought Ralston handled Kent really well yesterday, in my opinion. The needless tackles, though, they're very clever. Morelos is very clever. Now, you might want to call it diving. I think it's very clever in what they are trying to do. And we dealt with quite a lot of the balls into the box. Our defence, actually, for me, had a good game. And it's came to this moment. It's just been, it's been a mistake. Has it been miscommunication from the keeper? Try to organise his defence. The players should know who they've got if they're marking and they should know where they'd be if it's zonal and it didn't look like that with that goal Halander is 6'4", 6'5", something like that very decent in the air and he just got a free run at it he can't hide he's a big big guy so it's pretty criminal not tracking a runner you know that that's schoolboy stuff you're, you're taught that at a young young age so and I, as I was saying in the, the final whistle yesterday I'm looking at my captain I'm looking at my certain halves I'm looking at my goalie who's in charge there who's organising it and marshalling marshall that defence for the cross coming in that that's a question that's hanging in the air for me just now because it just didn't work and you know it was it only takes one mistake like that to to cost you and it did that's it i mean celtic as much as it was frustrating because we never really got into a stride yesterday we weren't hammered football wise it was as i said on the final whistle it was going to be a case of you know who scores first will most likely win this fixture stats bear out that it was all pretty even steven and then obviously we've just we've gone to sleep at that moment in time and it's it's cost us you're spot on it has cost us the worrying thing for me from yesterday I've kind of got to look at is that we fed into their hands a wee bit in the midfield. I'm going back to obviously Turnbull and Christie here, but they were very clever in the way that they put everything down the left. And when they were putting everything down the left towards Kyogo, it wasn't just Balogun that was going to be on them. They were actually covering over with two or three. Roof was even sometimes at points dropping back in the first half and being covered alongside like a Kamara or Davis. And what you were actually noticing, that they were nullifying any ball, being able to be switched over and for us to come down the right. Barisic actually had quite an easy game yesterday. Yeah. And it's things like that. We need to look at how we're getting stuck in the left. Because we had Juranovic, who's, who was obviously predominantly right-footed, thrown into a game like that. I thought, I thought he'd done very well. Um, but he was coming in all the time. He wasn't wanting to play the pass down the line. Everything was coming in through the middle. And we weren't quick enough in looking up and moving to the right. There was just, it comes back to that bravery thing uh, that you were, you were also mentioning mentioning as well, James. The amount of times where they're back to goal and we were just playing it back. The amount of times it ends up back at Joe Hart to start the attack again. That's exactly what they wanted. They were hes they, they were pushing us in the middle. And like I say, if we'd done that to them, I think it would have been a different score. Yeah, I think so. You mentioned Juranovic and he's definitely worth talking about. Um, I mean, James, how do you think he'd done in his debut? I'd mentioned the point that obviously left wouldn't be his, his preference. He's brought in as a right back, but he's done a decent job there. I do think it's obviously not very natural for him to bomb down the left-hand side in a creative sense. And I do think that was nullified. It just it, it wasn't natural. But overall, yeah, you know, more than pass marks for him. Yeah, a very composed debut. You can tell he's he's a experienced pro. He, you know, he, he knows how to play the game. You know, there's a lot of Tony Ralston fans out there. I think it is a matter of time before Juranovic takes up his right back berth, first choice, and Ralston will be the guy coming off the bench. For example, I don't see Ralston being pitched in at left back, so that tells you the better player. You know, who's the better player? <laughs> to... you, you can't see my face right now, but when he suggested <laughs> Ralston at left back, it was uh, it was an interesting yeah. one. And that, that's not taking anything away from Ralston's recent performances Absolutely. and, you know, a lot of his performance yesterday, yeah. particularly defensively, as Paddy said, I thought he did a great job. Marston guy staying on his feet, yeah. you know, just a quite a, a, a strong showing from him. But Juranovic is, is looking like a class act and you want that in his natural position going forward. You saw the goalie scored there for Legia in, in Europe, you know. He wasn't able to do that from that left-back berth, but he will be able to do that when he gets in the right. And it would help a bad out as well. Certainly, but he did have a strike on goal. It was a bit, 
you know, high and wide towards the end. But yeah, he's not afraid to shoot and that should be encouraged at times if he's in, in the right areas. But definitely an encouraging debut for him and we'll look forward to seeing more of him after the break. One other key feature of the game, which I think definitely cost us, was waiting too long to make the change. So definitely the way the, the second half started, but we're under serious pressure, you know, for you know 15 odd minutes. Turnbull was having that, you know, just that kind of game where you just knew it wasn't for him. We mentioned again the incident where he had the corner, he's getting pies and bovril thrown at him and all that nonsense. But it, it, his head was down, he overhit that cross, he then had a poor free kick after it. It was time to change it. Lo and behold, Rangers score, I think, around about the 66th minute. And then immediately after the goal, we change it. A bit too little too late for me because at that point the momentum swung. Yeah, I mean, there was a, a good 10 15 minutes. It was actually, you know, the chap we were watching the game with, Kush, he, he, he napped both the subs. You know, that, that was the changes that were required. But he was talking about it for about 15 minutes before the Rangers goal. So you could see it was needed and gallingly, you could see the impact it had when it was changed. You know, so yeah, definitely too late. I mean, we were, we were even talking at half time that, you know, you don't often see it, but might we see half time substitutions here? If not, you know, five minutes after. But no, cl- clung on to that too late. And I think Andrew will be honest enough with himself, if not, you know, in a press conference, that he did hold on to that too long. Yeah. What was your take on the changes, Paddy? Yeah, I would agree with you guys. For me, I think I was around about the 55th minute. I was kind of thinking, you know, time time to freshen up a bit. Turnbull just had that free kick, which I don't know if he was trying to, he was hoping for runners to come in or he was trying to trick the goalkeeper out. But at that point there and then, the head went down right after it. We were all screaming for, from our couches at it. Um, I think it was one of the ones, the changes should have been made in, within that five minutes after that. Now, some of the games we've seen, he has been a wee bit later in making a change. I'm all right with that if things are working. It clearly wasn't yesterday, um, but between those those two at the front. Now, one of our big things that we, we forget about there is that we, we keep on hearing from the other side that it's uh, been a big result for him considering they had so many players out uh, down to self-isolating or coronavirus or injury. We've, we have we were missing a, some big players yesterday as well, in my opinion. Julian Taylor, Forrest McCarthy. Absolutely. All first-teamers. Yeah, of course. And, and you look at what, you know, I wanted to change things up in, in the left. Edward's not giving you much. You take him off and you put Christie out there. Christie does nothing in the left for me. And that, that just kind of showed you the depth of our squad at the moment. It was stretched at that point. I think once you get these players back, I think once things are moving, there's a lot more rotation. The games are coming up thick and fast. Everyone's getting a run in the team. The levels are going to increase, hopefully, after what we've seen yesterday with some of the players, the confidence starts to increase as well. Yeah, I think so. Never thought I'd hear the day that James was crying out for James Forrest. (laughs) Or Christopher Julian. Or or, or Greg Taylor. (laughs) (laughs) But that's an interesting point because I do believe that you know, with this system, with Angie's approach, we will continue to get better. The, the players themselves will be better drilled in it and we should have better personnel carrying it out. But, I mean, it's the 2nd of January before we get a chance to put that right. So, you know, four months away, give or take. Do we expect Angie's side to be in a very different place by then? They'll have slip-ups because they, they were fully motivated for that game yesterday, but they've been, they stuttered into it and they'll stutter again. You know, there, there's going to be changes in their personnel in the next couple of days. Financially, there has to be, as long as they're not asking for stupid money that no one's going to bid on them. They'll stutter and we'll pick up points where they've stuttered. I expect us to be top of the league ahead of them going into that game in January. And that would be interesting. Paddy, the transfer window is obviously just about to close. Do you expect to see some further activity? Yeah, everything um, so far looks as if we're, we're, we're about to sign uh, Geomachus. I think that's that's a given. Uh, Jota joining from Benfica seems to be uh, getting mentioned quite a bit as well. That can't be the only two. Seems to be the only murmurings at the moment, but it can't be the only two in my opinion. I still think we we need someone at left back. I d- definitely need someone at left back. And dare I say it, I know we've got McCarthy coming back, but do we look at another centre mid as well? 
Well, you've seen Sorrow coming in as a, a centre midfield replacement and, a, you know, had a good through ball for Kyogo. But I think he lacks concentration or something. He lacks something. He's, he's not good enough yet. He may, might be with years development. So I would, I would take your point on that, that we're, we're, in terms of depth, we're very light. I think it'll be a bit of a luxury in terms of the budget. If we had unlimited budget, I think you would do that. Um, I think the problems are at, at, at centre-half and we need to see what scales can do in the left-back spot. If that's answered that that problem, I don't know if Giacomakis is enough, as in the only striker to replace Eddie if Eddie goes. Is there a Nisbet coming in from Hibs for that? I think Nisbet will score your goals in any league. Apparently, Swansea have bid five million for him, which would take us out running. Yeah. There's also the fact that Paddy, you've got a sign in Giacomakis, and James has got a sign in Giacomakis. <laughs> the two of them could make a real difference. Both of them, I. <laughs> so we'll need to work on our uh, pronunciations for for these guys if they do feature. But yeah, Griffiths to Dundee seems to be the the suggestion. Just okay with that? Anywhere, send them the moon. Don't yeah. care. Moon United. James, you said in general that you'd reserve judgment on this board until the end of the window. So with us just about there now, how do you feel they've performed overall uh, in terms of backing, Ange? You can't deny there's been backing. It's probably the strongest backing we've seen for a new manager, you know, in a long, long time. And um, I think it's the most players. You know, since the 90s that we've signed in a window so you, you can't deny that I think it's it's always going to be it was always going to be a difficult window because of the short term nature of Mackay and Ange you know putting their, their plan together you know you want to be really you know for example the, the winter transfer window you want to start putting that plan together in about four six weeks time mm-hmm. so they didn't have that luxury Ange just quickly assessed the squad and said this is what I need and by and large, he's getting that. So if you're going to be judging the board, I would say it's a pass. Yeah, I think so. I mean, in terms of income, it's just you know to, to round off the numbers, there's, I would say, seven so far. You could add uh, Liam Shaw and, and Ura Gideon to the mix if you wanted, but I think yeah. they were pre-contract type stuff. They're not going to feature much at all by the looks of it, um, and even less so if we bring in more bodies. But the seven key signings, so Abada, Kyogo, Starfelt, Joe Hart, James McCarthy, Juranovic and Scales now in the door. Seven bodies and something like 15 million plus. It is decent backing. Oh, absolutely. You know, we were calling them out, obviously, a few times. It went quiet just before the Michelin game. We were wondering where these players were. Now that it's became a bit more transparent, that it's it's been Dom and Ange that seem to be working on, on the transfers um, this summer. I think we're giving them more a bit more leeway in the sense that, like, like James says, so far the players that have come in have done well. Obviously, questions will be asked. But, I mean, it's very, very early in that these guys' Celtic careers. For me, you wonder how many players Ange has possibly said no at the last minute on. And you also wonder, you know, we're a hard club to negotiate with. We know that. But also, we weren't really in a position to be sitting negotiating. And I wonder how many teams have actually tried to put the prices up. Take advantage of it. And take advantage of it this season as well. So, yeah, overall, I think it's it's been a good window. I still think we still need a few more in. But what I would say is, is that this team is more than capable. This the, the league isn't won with these games against them. The league's won by winning every other game as, as you possibly can. And there's plenty of time for the, the work still to continue and look at a January window to bolster what we've got at the moment. Because we will we will beat other teams with this team we've got just now as well. So, um, I mean, in terms of Ange himself, so just looking at the, the dates really. So his first competitive game for us was Meatland on the 20th of July, which give or take is six weeks to the day, so 40 odd days. It's very little time, but in the bigger picture, how would you say his progress has been? So obviously, you know, we've looked at the board there and discussed the, the incomings. What about Ange in general? Were you, you pleased with, with how it's all playing out, buddy? Yeah, um, when appointed, um, I think I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. There was a lot of uh, anger towards the board at this point as well, uh, that it taking so long. Um, and one of the things I'd said in this podcast was, 
I would be happy if we were contesting very strong for second this year. Um, if, obviously, we want to win the league, but if we come in second and want, like, you know, we're five, six points behind and it's a close title race, I'd be happy with it. Um, we're at this point now, and I'm, I'm, I do believe we can go and win this league. I'm with James. I think we'll be top by uh, by Christmas, definitely. I think there's um, some inventive, very, very good football to watch. And I just given the circumstances of yesterday, yes, I did say that uh, in the preview that you know the atmosphere shouldn't play a part. It did. It did. And you know, I think games like that, the players will learn. They'll learn what it's about. And we look at all the other games that we've got to be playing this season. And like I say, they're not one against uh, against the games against them. I mean, it's interesting because I think a lot of us are revising our expectations since Ange came in. You know, the chat towards the end of last season, I remember with Miff, particularly us chatting it through, was that, listen, whoever comes in, Eddie Howe was a chat at the time, of course, but whoever comes in, they've got such a huge task and overhauling the team and getting rid of the Deadwood and bringing in new guys. And at that point, you said, if all we were was competitive, you'd accept that. Now that's changed because they have brought in a lot of bodies and just shown that he's got something about him. And listen, none of us knew what to expect. What I would also say into the mix is that Everyone is quick to criticise the board. We've done it ourselves and, and you feel you've spent your whole Celtic life at times criticising the board. Don Mackay should be singled out here for real credit for finding Ange and taking a chance on him because that is a risk, right? You know, and, and he was wholly criticised when the name Ange first appeared. Who the hell is this character and all that stuff? And Mackay, this, that and the next thing. It's turned out to be a, a, a real, a gem of an appointment. It has you know, the, the key point that Paddy mentioned there was the football. So he's not just coming in and winning games and you know putting kind of turgid performances in that just grind out results. It's beautiful football to watch. Going into the the start of the season with the new manager, I wasn't thinking second place. You know because I, I think there's been you thinking a, third. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it definitely wasn't because I think the the media have overstated the the gap between Celtic and Rangers, and you saw yesterday, that is two teams who, at best, are equal to one another. You know, that, to, to be generous to Rangers there. They won the game, of course, but there was nothing in it in terms of they're a phenomenal side and we're, you know, a, a kind of stuttering side. So I think that, as time goes on, that, that'll play out. But yeah, I, I take your point on Don McKay. Yeah, he, he's got to be getting big pass marks for that. It's a brave call to go and pitch that to, the, to his board, which we know can be a difficult place. He's pitched it strongly. He's got him in sharp. He's done the deal. There was a bit of kind of coaching badge nonsense that was given about it. That was just dealt with and, and blown out. So he's got all that stuff in place. Quickly, they've got to business or got, got down to business on what do we need? They've signed the players. So yeah, I think it's been quite a phenomenal performance. I think so. And as Ange will remind different journalists at different times, he has coached that World Cup. He's not just came for the Mark juniors. Benson in particular. He knows what he's doing. Um, what was really, really interesting to watch was the... The interview on Sky Sports pre-match party, I don't know if you caught it. No. Um, and it's basically Ange talking about his life, or his parents' life more specifically, as immigrants taking the young family from Greece and Australia. Um, I think there were some difficulties in Greece at the time. And basically how the, the family made that move to, to give him a better life. And he just speaks very honestly and, and passionately about it. And then talks about how everything he does now in football is, is to honour his parents, particularly his dad, who was such an influence on him. And you've seen it, James. It's, it's a great piece, isn't it? And it just... It tells you more about Ange the man uh, than Ange the you know the football manager, and it's just a really strong piece. And it's I think he's the perfect fit for Celtic Football Club. Yeah, it shows you a bit more of the depth of the man, you know, and, and intelligence. Um, it made a really good good point on immigration itself. Said people don't immigrate to 
get themselves better jobs. They go to create better lives for their offspring, for the next generation coming. I thought that line itself was was very poignant, but I, I recommend anyone to watch it. It's just a, a sweet piece of media, yeah. Yeah, and given Celtic's roots and, you know, the... Irish immigrants that have you know made a life here in Scotland. Um, it's just it, it just touches a lot of, of really good points. Um, moving back to football and March party, obviously um, not spent much time today on the Alkmaar game, but because <laughs> it just brings me out in sweat every time <laughs> I think about it. But great to get through that tie, of course, and that took us into the Europa, Europa League draw, uh, which took place on Friday morning. So Celtic now find themselves in Group G with Real Betis of Spain, Bayer Leverkusen of Germany and Ferenc Varos of Hungary. Paddy, have you got a wee bit of information on those sides that you can maybe share with us? Yep, um, just had a, a good look at the, the, the teams today. So both, well, all three have actually kind of had a bit of a mixed start to their season. So Leverkusen looking really strong at the moment. Obviously, play their home games at the Bay Arena, which is a good 31,000 attendance. Um, so one of the things on that, I would say, is that if you're planning on going to that one, it'll be a difficult one to get tickets for. But yeah, they've won two and drawn one and scoring quite a lot of goals as well. They've got a good keeper, the boy Hidraki, has played for them, a very, very strong goalkeeper. Well, obviously, we know about Jeremy Frimpong, what, what he's capable of, a player to watch as well. But they've got some very strong players as well. Jonathan Ta, who's uh, been a strong part of the German national setup as well. Patrick Schick up front as well and we know we know what he's capable of, of. very good Euros yeah team to watch definitely for Betis a, a mixed start for them two draws and sorry not even a mixed start two draws and a defeat so a draw against Mallorca Cadiz and Madrid with the looks of what I've read on those games they've actually been fairly unlucky so very strong in their possession even had more possession against Madrid last night and created more chances so I think a possession-based team, good players that they've got at the moment is the likes of Nabil Fekir, Sergio Canales and Joaquin. He's still playing at the age of 40. 40? <laughs> uh, so he's still kicking a ball as well. Uh, Ferenc Varos, again, kind of mixed up for them as well. Two wins, one defeat. And they were unlucky in trying to get into the, the Champions League this season. They were beating 6-4 on aggregate from uh, Young Boys. Again, a team who I think we could get at their defence but they've still got a bit of pace uh, coming coming up against us there. The player in Glenn scored against us. You've seen how quick he was up against El Hamid. And he still starting to, he's starting to score a few so far this season as well. So tough, tough group, I think. I think it'll be a fight between us and Betis for second. I think Leverkusen will be the strongest. Um, but I think Betis could possibly be better than us as well at this point it's a tough group but it's one to look forward to isn't it James and it'll be interesting to see Ange putting his wits against these you know top European sides yeah and there's a lot of football in those teams as well you know it's, it's not as kind of stuffy technical and there's football in our, in our team so I think they're going to be really entertaining games all six of them when the draw came out yeah I was a bit like wanted to avoid a German team you know and out, out they pop they're all teams that you want to play Betis I think we're tweeting out that it's the fixture they've always wanted. You know, they've, they've always wanted to have a tie against Celtic, you know. A couple of weeks away yet after the international break. So the first game we've got is Betis away on Thursday, 16th September. I mean, James, what, what would you see as, as success in the group? So Paddy suggested we might, you know, be in a scrap for second and that would be great to get that. But what would you see as success? Team developing, just developing their system, developing their football. Not too first. You know, we're in the group and that was the financial target. I don't really care. I know the Seville's there and all that kind of stuff. It's I'm fully focused on the league this year, and you know cup runs and stuff like that would would come as a bonus to me as long as they're developing the system, playing well, scoring goals. So genuinely, if we were to finish bottom of the group, but carry ourselves well, you know, continue to develop the football, you'd be okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What about you, Paddy? Um, I think it's a you know I'm I'm kind of with James on the the development, but I think you know if we 
if we show up to the team that we, you know, we, we, we can play well, we, we, we know we can, and we're going to go to get stronger, as we've, we've been speaking about earlier on. I think the games against Ferenc Varos are there to be won. I think that's potential six points, in my opinion. They were okay against us last season. I think they deserve to go through on the grand scheme of it, but they were okay. We were just really poor. I think we're a lot better now. One of the things um, I've looked at, obviously, with, with this year's competition, so if we finished third, we would go into the conference. You know, we were into the playoffs for that. And finishing second puts you into the last 32 of the Europa League. But you come up against teams coming from the Champions League. Right, OK. Finishing first puts you automatically into the last 16. So I, I think that would just be too far for us this season. Yeah, if I tie themselves and notice all these <laughs> just systems and, and tournaments, don't they? I think it'll actually work out quite well. I was looking at a bit more last week. I think it'll work out quite quite well going forward because there's a lot more football for everyone to play yeah. and there's less, to coin the phrase, diddy teams in there because they've, they've shrunk the, the groups and pushed it into the conference. So everyone's getting their kind of level, you know. So I think it'll work out to be positive. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, finishing third and going and winning the conference league would be all right, wouldn't it? That'd be a lovely season. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it goes. As James mentioned, this year's Europa final is in Seville, so just saying and all that stuff, stars are lining. Paddy, you touched on it as well. Realistically, will you get to any of the away games? Looking at Leverkusen, I hope Kate's not listening to this one, but uh, <laughs> look, looking at Leverkusen, I bet it's just too soon. And I think you UEFA are due to make a decision uh, by Monday of next week. Yeah, I think they're, the, they're just confirming the various fixtures and I think Celtic, when they announce the fixture, says don't be booking your away yeah. travel just yet. <laughs> a guy I know managed to get Betis for, I think he's got his flights for £9. He just took the, the lucky punt and booked it. I seen that flights were available, I think it was to Seville. He just took, the, took those dates and guessed and it's came up. Good luck to that man. <laughs> Fair enough. So, as mentioned, it all kicks off on Thursday, 16th September, away to Betis. Um, before that, um, we've got a, a game against Ross County. So, first game back after the break, Saturday, 11th of September, at home at Ross County. It's a good one to come back to, isn't it? It should be. Yeah, I think so. I think we're going to see a lot more composure from the team after what we've seen yesterday. Just kind of, you know, we can't take away the fact that the two home games that we've played in the league so far, we've, we've scored 12 goals. That's incredible. For a, I know it's the beginning of the season, but I think you're looking at that game again against Ross County and you're thinking, that's another that's another four or five or six. And it, it should be. I think we just continue, continue as to what we've done in August and start to get a run together, get the momentum going. But yeah, I think it's a good game to kick off with again. I mean, they talk about teams early in the season very rarely hit top form and it takes them a while to get into their stride. And that's part of the argument actually for Scottish football to be return earlier in the summer so you're better prepped for these qualifiers because you come up against Scandi sides for example who have already played Flying. half a dozen games and sometimes even more um, but it's interesting that before we've really got an air stride under Ange we've won 6 now twice and that shouldn't be underestimated and I know it's poorer opposition but to have that ground so early it is encouraging and it's a real indicator that there's so much more to come from this team Yeah and that, that confidence has really grown Paddy's made a good point there the word momentum you know, it's huge for all football teams and we've got we've not really clicked on that yet so a run of games now and the momentum that can build you know, should, should take us into even greater heights one of the things I would say on this season as well if we do go and win the league which I, I fully expect us to do it this year this is Angie's first season I think it bodes well for a strong future under, under him in the sense that if we qualify for the Champions League that's a full summer a full pre-season of organising looking at players we get, our, we get our transfers done quicker and we're settled and we're ready for seasons kicking off I think We've kicked off the way we have already. I'm very excited to see what's going to happen if we do go in the league and what happens down the line. Because then you start asking the question, do we get automatic qualification for the Champions League season in, season out? And then do we start actually putting up a fight? Say, for example, we go into the likes of the Europa League 
after uh, our, our group stages, stuff like that, do we start then putting a fight in Europe as well? So it's interesting times ahead. It really is. And obviously, as I'd mentioned there, you know, the first competitive game was 40 odd days ago. And I think it's, I'm not being over the top, but it's, I think it's quite incredible the the changes and the, and the improvements that Angie's made in such a short space of time. You mentioned it before the season even kicked off. You know, I, I, I had my scotched earth pen out for who was coming out of the squad and you were just saying, you know, I'd love to do it in one transfer window, but it's so hard to change a team you know, entirely like that you know, and bring them together, get them playing in a new system. But he's done that. You know, you've got almost a full squad of players, a full first 11 of players coming in with a couple of guys who've, you know, held their own from, from last year. So I, I think that's one of the biggest uh, features for me is that he's managed to make so many changes so quickly and so well. Yeah, I think as well as that, it's a, it's a very simplistic viewpoint for fans to just say, get him out, get him out, get him out, bring him, him and him and him, and that's the way it goes. He's also trying to build a culture here at Celtic, you know, in terms of how players approach everything and how they represent the club and, and building a team spirit and getting them all in it. And they, they do look in it together. There's a real team spirit there. You see it when we beat uh, Alkmaar, you've seen the guys at the end and there's there's relationships building all over the park. Even uh, another video clip that's worth watching is the one with Callum McGregor and Ange. Yeah, um, so it was lovely, wasn't it? Father son vibes, father son vibes all over the place. <laughs> he needs to start getting eating the black pudding, but come on. <laughs> Aye, yeah, he was he's a bit critical of the the cuisine, but there's a there's a bond there, and I think it's so important that a, a manager and his captain have a relationship, and you can see that he's he's forging these relationships with players all over the team. Yeah, I think his words about um, Tom Rogic as well, when he was speaking about you know sometimes these these footballers, these professionals, these people are on a lot of money a week. They just need a reminder of what they're doing and how lucky they are to be doing it. I thought those words were just yeah, brilliant, you know, and they they should. They should be reminded. They should, they should be reminded every week. This is what we pay into. This is what we buy into and what we love, what we follow. For them, I understand their careers are short time, so they should be given it everything absolutely every week. Yeah. Uh, and I think he said something along the lines that he's lucky enough that he's managed to avoid getting a real job yeah, his whole life. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he generally, he used the word blessed uh, when he was speaking on the, the Sky Sports interview as well. He's a very humble guy, but he appreciates the life that football gives him, whether it's a manager or a player. And I think he'll be getting those messages across to players. And you wonder if, if you know, we've spoken about Christie, for example. Yeah, you know, he'll get opportunities to make more money, you know, in the coming months or the next couple of years or whatever move he makes. But managers like Ange, I would say, don't come around all that often as well. And you wonder if some players would just be so drawn to the man that they would want to stay on. Yeah, and you know, it's funny, Hilda, having got to Leeds, spoke about that of Bielsa. But there might have been part of his head saying, I'm hearing really good things about this guy as much as he, he wouldn't have trained much under him. But I think that is a bit of a draw. The other side of it as well is, you were saying, Paddy, a couple of deals that have kind of stopped at the last minute because Ange said no. I wonder if he's got a wee bit of the character of the man he was going to sign uh, and nah, that's that's not what we're after. And that's so important because you can do all the scouting and you can see that this guy scores or this guy assists or blah, blah. You can't see that he's a nightmare in the changing room or he's a disruptive influence and, and things like that. By all accounts, you know, if Geomarcus, we'll go with Geomarcus for now, if he signs the suggestion has been that Ange reached out to him personally, there's obviously the Greek connection there, but the suggestion is he's reached out to him personally and, and given him the pitch on Celtic. And you can just imagine Ange selling it to guys like Joe Hart and various different players and, and just selling the, the vision because he articulates so well and he just you can just feel the energy off the guy. Yeah, and you know everyone's feeding off that, you know, both in terms of fans and players and personnel around the club, I'm sure. Um it's it's positive stuff and it's not you know, it's not false positive, it's you know, work to be done, we're you know, working a plan. 
but we're going to we're going to do it in, in a positive fashion with good football and everyone's starting to feed on it. Yeah, I think they're they're buying into it, absolutely. It's one of the first things he said actually, you know, he says talk is cheap and all that kind of stuff. People need to believe in me first and buy into what I'm doing and I absolutely believe that that's been the case. So long may that continue. Um, as mentioned, so we're obviously just about to head on the international break. A lot of fans absolutely hate it. I mean, yourself, buddy? Rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> no good, get it scrapped. Particularly in times of COVID when you don't know who's going to come back and who's going to come back with what. I, I think it's very risky, but it's an essential part of the calendar. So we can only hope that there's uh, professional standards um and, and they all come back in one piece. Yeah, I mean, just to mention a couple of guys, uh, Kyogo and Rodic have got a hell of a lot of travelling ahead of them. So Kyogo's uh, Japan, they play Oman, I think, in Japan. And then they're, the, the big match. Then they're away to China. China away, what, what a fixture that is. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you going Thursday? China away, mate. In their own backyard. Jeez, oh. <laughs> um, and I think Rodic, he's, I th for some reason, Australia are currently playing their games in Kuwait. They've got a base in Kuwait. Don't know if it's COVID related or otherwise, but anyway, he's going there first and then uh, he's away to Nam. He's going Vietnam away. I think. Just mad stuff. So a lot of travelling for those guys. As you say, James, let's hope the, the protocols are in place and they come back, you know, safe and well. There's also, there's 10 others. So I'll just list very quickly the players that are away on international duty. And it's good for players to go and get that experience and, and you know, hopefully come back with a smile on their face and enjoy meeting up with their, their fellow nationals. But... You're, you're always crossing your fingers just hoping that they come back you know, fit and healthy. Anyway, the players, as mentioned, so for Scotland, we've got Callum McGregor, Ryan Christie, David Turnbull. Uh, Forrest and Taylor would have been there, but they're missing out at this moment in time. Uh, Leah Labada and Nir Beaton uh, are away with Israel. Beaton's been frozen out, hasn't he, by the way? Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, he's not got it. But for the same reason as, as Yeti, and see if you're saying that, I know we need squad depth, but really, could you sell them and replace them? Yeah, you just wonder if Andy's now had a bit of time in there, Tony threw him in early, of course, you know, Had to. to our detriment I think, uh, against uh, Michelin. I'll go back to what I've said many a time, Beaton, I'm still so surprised he's managed to be here for eight years. Yeah. Are you going to go to his testimony? Ah, I'll be there. Yeah, <laughs> he's not far away. Looking forward to that. For, yeah. Forrest and then Beaton. A gold watch off the club and a testimony on off he pops. Um, so beyond Beaton and Abada, you've also got Juranovic, new signing. He's away with Croatia. Kyogo and Rodic have mentioned. Starfelt uh, is back in the fold at Sweden, which is good. And it'll be good for his confidence. Uh, and Stephen Welsh and Adam Montgomery uh, are both going away with Scotland under-21s. Montgomery's getting a bit of game time under Ange, isn't he? He seems to like what he sees. I thought he looked quite confident when he came on uh, yesterday. Um, just... Very comfortable with the ball at his feet and um, obviously not a natural winger, I'm sure, um, I've read. And, you know, like, it's not going to be his preferred position, but, you know, he's still young enough to mould to be able to play there as well. Um, I thought he did. He looked quite comfortable. I'm quite glad he never started yesterday. It, it might have been a, a baptism of fire yeah. for a young man, but it was right to bring him on, give, well, him, I, give him experience in that yeah. environment. It might have been a baptism of fire, but it doesn't strike me as a kind of kid that, that's going to let that kind of thing get on top of him. You know, seen coming on against... Alkmaar, I think it was the right call, I agree, I agree with that, but when he came on, he showed more invention than most of his, his teammates the whole game, you know, he was giving us that wee bit of drive, that bit of edge, looking for creativity that, that wasn't there before, so been really impressed with him. Yeah, he's definitely looking to make things happen, and, and I think he's going to get better and better, I think the club gave him a, a long-term deal at some point uh, last season, so um, yeah, I think there's far more uh, to come from Adam Montgomery. So, I mean, as mentioned there, the, the game's... They just come thick and fast just now, so the break will be welcome in some quarters just as a chance to regroup. But unfortunately, because so many players are away, it doesn't actually give Ange the opportunity to to work with these guys at Lennox Town. And that's the kind of coach he is, isn't he? He's so hands-on that, it, I mean, he said it several times now, he yearns for time in the training field, but you just don't get it at Celtic. You don't, you don't. Um, and yeah, like you say, he's, he's been mentioning about just not having 
you know, it's been two games a week for the last six, seven weeks. I think that those that are still going to be there, though, take the time. Take the time that they're going to get off. I'd imagine this week, recuperate a bit, come back in. And it's just method working again, isn't it? It's got to be just like, keep buying into this, keep buying into that. They're going to learn a lot more uh, with the more time that they're going to get with Ange. And then, yeah, I think even the new boys that might come in, I don't see them going to be doing anything uh, with their international teams this winter. Obviously, this this month, um, so they're coming in, they're getting a feel for the place as well. It's always a good time to to get that that needed break. It also might give guys like McCarthy a bit more time to get used to the club and and get his fitness back on track. Joe Hart to just again get comfy in the surroundings, and yeah, there's definitely you know pluses for some of these guys. Yeah, I think that's it. And you know, maybe the guys who aren't away on international travel, you know, with no disrespect. Maybe they're the guys that need the wee bit of extra training, the wee bit of you know, extra learning, the time with Ange. So it would be great, don't get me wrong, if no one was away and you just had two solid weeks of training with Ange, that would be just what a dream. But it's it's this way until at least Christmas. So we just need to accept that's the reality and get the sessions in where we can. And the guys who are there off international break, they'll enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's one midweek free, but I believe it's potentially free for League Cup stuff so at the moment it's free but if we beat Wraith Rovers which we absolutely should be doing then you're slotted in there at the moment I've got is uh, with 23 fixtures between now and Boxing Day and likely more in the League Cup it's just it's a lot of football it is it is um, we've got a winter break this year um, as well I'm sure hopefully not in Dubai this time but you know, you know again that's a good time like I was kind of saying see where we're at I've got every belief that we will be top of the league um, see where we're at though do we bolster do we go and try and look at some of the players for the J League um, or even you know further east as well that, that there's there's other there's other leagues that he will have been scouting with his team at Yokohama as well and I kind of think to myself that that is a good period those two three weeks where the players just settle we know what we're going to look to do we know what we, we have to do for the remainder of the season and especially you know if you go uh, into that break off the back of, of beating them on the second but it is a lot of games coming up and it, I just think though We've got a good run. One of the things uh, I was going to mention on that, actually, we looked the the way the fixture lists have come out. We've got a lot of hard away games in this first 11 games, whereas actually the second half, a lot of the harder games are all at home. So it bodes well in our favour. Uh, get the away games out and away, like get them out, out of the way in this first section. And then the run in with all of the European games, get up to Christmas, get up to the winter break, the hard games well, the so-called hard games are going to be at home. So that's that's boding well in our favour. Yeah. I mean, the funny thing is, as much as Ange wants to get time with the players at Lennox Town and, and get his methods across, as a player, you just want the next game, don't you? But I think they, they will have a bit of a buzz for training as well. I think it's a bit of a mix. Mostly players, yeah, pl- players thrive on playing football, but they'll be, they'll be enjoying the training sessions and they'll be going, I wouldn't mind an extra couple of those in between games to, to just hone, you know, small bits here and there. But, you know, like fans, the game's coming thick and fast, is great. Yeah, and that's something that not that long ago we weren't saying. People were dreading the games at times last season, so we're in a, a very different headspace. James, just as we start to wrap up for tonight, uh, any final thoughts as we head into the international break? Just come back safe, you know, <laughs> come back without COVID because um, we need we need our top players available. We're, we don't have the depth at the moment, so it remains to be seen what happens next couple of days. Transfers, but the depth can't handle um, missing players just now. So Ange Postacoglu has now completed his first round of fixtures as Celtic manager and though it's fair to say there's been some bumps in the road so far it's also been a particularly exciting time to be a Celtic fan again. For the first time in a long time fans have been desperately looking out for the next fixture and the work Ange and his players have done to create that shouldn't be underestimated. 
Thanks to James and Paddy for joining me in today's show and as always, our thanks to you for listening. If you're enjoying what we do, please help us to grow by sharing this episode far and wide and by following and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week with the Celtic Exchange Weekly, but until then, thanks for listening. Network.